Hello and welcome to the podcast that delves into the world of classical music and beyond with me, Yolanda Brown, and the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Now, if you love classical music or you want to learn more about it, you're in the right place. It is now Series 6 of LPO Offstage, and we have some new, exciting podcasty treats for you in this series. Now, we are currently backstage at the Southbank Centre, and it is a buzz. Let me tell you, there's events happening in the foyer, rehearsals also in the venue. And we have a lift that is just trying to be a part of the podcast going up and down. So don't worry about the background noise. It is lovely to be joined today by violinist Min Majo and viola player Martin Ray to see what they've been up to and what it's really like to be an orchestral couple. Great to see you again, Min, and welcome to the podcast, Martin. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Oh, it really is lovely to see you. And it's nice to have a different spin to this episode. So I'm going to start with a quick fire question. See how we get on. Okay. Min, yeah. Mozart or Beethoven? Oh, my <laughs> God. We're going to start as we <laughs> This is not on. a quick fire question, Yolanda. <laughs> I'll let you have a longer answer for that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There are so many works to think about from both composers and so many different interpretations conductors it's tricky for me to choose if I was to just not think about it and say one I'd probably say Mozart whoa I love (laughs) the commitment to that and it is so true I think that's the thing I've learned the most about this podcast is that a piece of music can change grow be reinterpreted by so many different things Mm. so I'm very glad that you were able to give me an answer (laughs) Martin you're not getting out of it okay Mozart or Beethoven do you know I'm gonna say of late, I feel like we've played a lot of Beethoven. I feel like I've got more into it. Yeah, I feel like I might have had a bit more of an education. So I, I'm going to go with Beethoven quite decisively this time. Very good. Well, wow. look at that. Balance, the yin and the yang here in this, in this relationship. It's, it's why good. it works. <laughs> it's why it works. Well, we should start there. So where did you both meet? We first met at Guildhall, actually. So I was doing my undergrad and I think I was in the second year, maybe the third year. And uh, there was a, a production being performed that afternoon in the music hall in Guildhall. And it was uh, Kurt Vile, Seven Deadly Sins. And uh, violinists, for some reason, were running low this day at Guildhall. So they invited some, some academy students. And uh, on this, this occasion, Min happened to be one of those. It was one to a part. I was, I was playing the viola, Min was playing the second violin. At that point, I decided I would introduce myself. So I said, oh, hi, I'm Martin. We had a brief, very brief conversation, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't see each other again. We didn't for... see each other for a few years. And then when Martin was going to come to Academy to do his master's, I was also going to continue at Academy as well. And we needed a new violist for our quartet. And I was thinking, oh, I recognise that name. And I remember him being quite good. So let's get him to do some rehearsals with us. And then, so yeah, in the end, Martin joined our quartet and then we kind of got together after that, basically. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it actually started because at the beginning of Royal Academy, they did chamber music speed dating. Speed dating for dating sake? For, for quarter. No, for, for quarter. if you're looking for a new chamber musician in your group, oh. they would rotate you around different rooms and people who are looking to be in a chamber ensemble would come and everyone would switch around every oh. 15 minutes. Yes. So you play with lots of different people and then you find someone who works in your group and then... Yeah. So it was multi-level speed multi-level. dating. Multi-level. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have you heard any other success stories from, from this activity? Um, or are you kind of the chosen I'm sure couple? there are some. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are. There must be. I'm sure that's not why they do it. But 
That's how it worked out for us. And can you remember the year of when you first met at Guildhall? 2010. Oh. Yeah. 10 or 11, yeah. And then congratulations, you got married 2021. Yeah, in September it was. Yeah, oh, thanks. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Thank congratulations from much. all of us here. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to hear that, you know, the first time you met, you were making music together. Mm. What is it like to perform with each other? It's great, actually. I mean, especially being in a quartet together. Already a quartet is a very intense relationship with the four of you. So working together and being in a relationship together is something that you have to manage quite yes. <laughs> carefully. Yes. And just remain very respectful, very professional at all times. Don't let anything come into the rehearsal room. That's going to affect not only you two, but the other two as well. This has got to be a good working environment for everyone. I think we've figured out more or less how yeah. to do it's, it's a great, I mean, especially playing in a string quartet is a great way to really get to know someone. Mm. True. But there was a time where we weren't together. We were playing string quartet and uh, you could argue that was kind of tricky because maybe, um. maybe we wanted to be together and we weren't and... So there was some, some ironing out of things to be done. Yeah. It was a really nice time. It was a really nice, yeah. I have a good, really good memories of the music as well that we played together. So. With any quartet, the relationships that you create with your co-quartet people, we're still best friends with the other two and we see them all the time and it's just really special. Another sort of family connection, you know, mm. like LPO. <laughs> yeah. And how was the transition? I work with my husband so I understand that you know when you're in a work environment you can either choose to be a couple at work or you can choose to be your individual selves at work Mm. and then at home you are Mr and Mrs so how was the transition for your quartet knowing that now you're sort of getting involved on a romantic level and yet you're going to have to work together was there some adjustment that needed to happen there um I don't I don't really think so because we took quite a long time to tell our colleagues that we were Mm. now an item and I think it was because we were worried that it might affect. But actually, in reality, they were both very mature and they didn't, didn't, yeah. they didn't need... Yeah, I mean, we just said, by the way, guys, um, this is now a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some thumb movement yeah, there. Yeah. Like, we just, we're now we're a thing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listener description. Um, and I think they were... Yeah, it didn't take them very long at all. And that was it. And, and we then had an, another two years before you then got a job in the orchestra. A couple of years of being an item in the quartet together so it was yeah, great it worked out well I remember our shadows just joking don't break up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joking not joking you know yeah. <laughs> but it's important to note you know and I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to transition that when you when you felt ready and then how about then joining the LPO how did that transition because you were in a relationship at that point when you individually joined right yeah. I mean you joined first Yes, actually, both of us also did the Foil Future First scheme at different years. So we've kind of been part of the LPO family for a while and yeah, individually as well. I, th- I think um, it was amazing because I, I'd been freelancing in the orchestra for quite a few years, mm. really since I left college after having done the Future First, Foil Future First scheme. Then Min was working in the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic and, of course, there was a, a distance thing. So you were living in Liverpool at the time? Well, my job was... 50% so I would I was still living in London but I would travel up and stay with friends for like two weeks you know two weeks oh every month or something oh, Martin, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think it, it was fine actually but, it worked fine for but a it while. was it was more it was more that then we we just felt like it would be great to be in the same place and, and so Min then auditioned a job came up Min auditioned for the LPO and then when she got the job 
it was almost like, right, well, this is inevitable now. I'm going to have to try and get a job yes. in this orchestra because Min's job is not one you leave. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not one you want to leave readily. It's because mm. it's, it's a very good place to work. It's, it's a nice environment. It's, yeah. it's where we live, um, mm. near to our place. It's good connections as well. So, so it makes a lot of sense. And of course, I'd already based myself here because of the freelance stuff. And then um, the, the job, the Viola Tutti job came up and he was like, right, let's go for this. Now or never. <laughs> Rubbing my hands. Yeah. And, yeah. and just to get a time perspective on that. So you joined the LPO in 2020? Yeah, my first day was day one of lockdown one, officially. So 2020, you've joined. Yeah. We're now thinking, okay, how do we position ourselves as a family to get yeah. Martin into the LPO? So when did you join? Well, I started in September of last year, so September 2022. Fantastic. Well, congratulations so, to you both. What a thanks. journey. Yeah, we got there in yeah, the end. Yeah. Super, super lucky. But Very it's great because it means, you know, when we're scheduling and stuff, we have the same sort of schedule and we can tour together and yes. all that sort of stuff is really nice. Did you have to let the LPO know that you are married? No. Does that ever come into it? The only time is room sharing on tour because yeah. they still give us two rooms, which is very generous. But I think that's things since COVID. Oh, um, and it's also good for now. if one of us wants to practice and we yeah. can have two rooms. So but it means, it means when, when everyone's waiting for their key cards, we've got like twice the chance of having a room. If we, if we turn up early to a hotel, it's great because his surname is W and mine's M. So oh, that's true. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. might be able to get into a room earlier yeah. than the most. And we also, we <laughs> learned from the best, we learned from the other orchestral couple, which is the leader and his wife. They have a system whereby they jump off the bus. One of them gets the suitcases, which is me in this case, and the other one goes and gets the keys. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. There you go. Like clockwork. <laughs> like clockwork. It's good. Well, you touched on something there, Min. Practicing. Do you practice together? Do you have to allow each other time to practice? How do you navigate that? We're quite lucky because we are flat. We've got some living space and a second bedroom. So one of us will go in either of those rooms. So we don't actually notice too much when the other person's practicing at the same time so that's not too much of an issue fortunately and you're both string players mm -hmm. do you ever get envious of each other's instruments or you you found your sound or found your voice if you um, like I've tried playing the viola and it just looks ridiculous because I'm quite a small I'm quite short I'm quite petite and Martin's viola is quite big if I try playing it it just looks, it looks like you're on a yeah <laughs> I do sometimes try and play Min's violin but she usually just tells me to put it down <laughs> between the two I was trying to explain this to some friends and my children the other day what is the major difference why couldn't you just well, swap well, well actually a friend um, in fact the the number two viola player just told me a joke and he said um, he said what's the difference between the violin and viola there's actually there's actually no difference in size it's just the violinist's head is much bigger <laughs> <laughs> ooh Min is not so, laughing as much as me that, that, that does not answer your question at all and it's also incorrect because they are different sizes <laughs> They all come in different they sizes. Are, they are different, yeah. No, they are different sizes. Yeah. yeah. The, the viola has a lower string. So violins have E, A, D, G, but viola has A, D, G, C. Ooh. And it's also a little bit bigger of an instrument as well. So it has the kind of more mellow, deeper sort of sound. So and so finger placing and how the stretch mm. will feel different for you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it's more, much more of a stretch on the viola. Yeah. And I actually don't play a full-size violin anymore. I play a 7 eighths violin, so it's even more of a difference for me. So. Very good. Very well, good. at least I can go back and let them know what I've learned. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so what about life outside of music making? I'm sure we'll return to music making in a bit, but what do you do when you're not musicians in the LPO? Min? Hmm. Well, I like 
cooking, eating, gardening. Now it's springtime. Yes. I've got some daffodil bulbs coming out, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I'm also learning Cantonese at the moment. My family speaks Cantonese, but I always spoke English growing up, kind of in reply. Yes. Um, so I'm trying to build on my Cantonese. Is it easy to learn it sort of in adulthood or do you... Um, I wouldn't say easy, but I've kind of learned in dribs and drabs. So I learned a bit of Mandarin at one point, then I went back to Cantonese. So bits of like writing from the Mandarin help with writing in the Cantonese. And I know this right sort of tones and stuff, but mm. yes, yeah, still a bit of a challenge because I'm more used to, I guess, the kind of European languages. The fact that my family do speak it, I kind of orally, uh, I know what I'm aiming for. But in terms of the grammar and stuff, it's quite a lot to learn and you get to practice with family as well yeah (laughs) that's good that's good and languages is something you have in common martin that's right yeah um outside of music generally i spend quite a lot of time learning japanese yeah for me another quartet memory is the first thing kind of thing we ever did outside of studies was we went to japan that was our our first tour Uh, in fact i had a memory flash up on my phone today saying it was eight years ago was the first tour and it was actually the four of us underneath a cherry blossom tree in, in Tokyo. Oh, cute. Oh, that is cute. <laughs> Which is so nice. I know, it's, it was such a nice memory. Good times. Um, we, we had our second violin, Japanese lady, and she took us around, she explained she was never impatient with us. I probably bored her silly asking questions about this and this and this. And I never really thought to learn the language. And it was only really when I came more to the LPO, started to hang around with people were just really intelligent people were speaking so many languages two three languages fluently and it occurred to me i just thought well maybe i should make an effort and and not just rely on my my english yeah. my dad is retired now but he was head of languages at senior school in east london he was french and german nice. teacher but for some reason that kind of passed me by at the time i'm not sure i'm I min's much better at european languages than i am <laughs> it got to a point where i thought well i don't really want to just be that guy who just always speaks at people and hopes for the best mm. and so being in japan quite frequently we, we started to go every year at least with our quartet at the time and so i thought well it might as well be japanese so i started to learn probably the first tour i, I think i did was in 2000 maybe 2010 roughly about the time we met actually i, I just been to China with an amateur orchestra and uh, I'd never felt so far away from home but I loved it it wasn't a bad thing it wasn't a negative thing I just I just enjoyed it through that I started learning about different political learning about communism the way China functions and then I became interested in Soviet history and sort of the fall of the Soviet Union how exactly that came about and I was asked to go on an LPO tour a few years later in 2015 to China So this is my first Ah. um, professional tour, the long-haul tour. And at that point, I'd I'd read a book by uh, Yeonmi Park. It's a North Korean defector called... I think Min's read this as well. I think it's called The Better Way to Live. It's it's a very famous book. I forget the name of it, but yeah, it's by Yeonmi Park. And uh, I thought, well, I'm kind of interested in Soviet history, so I wonder what it would have been like to actually live in that time. I wasn't old enough to see the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yes. I I would have found that interesting. I, I used to look at a lot of the YouTube videos and and so I thought well the only sort of living example now really aside from China is actually North Korea so um, after the LPO tour I asked them if I could opt out which is a a feature that they allow us occasionally they allow us to fly us separately so I decided to book my own flights and and actually decided to go to North Korea on a a tour tourist tour tourist tour yeah. yeah and so I went on this tour I went on the LPO tour we did a full tour of China amazing tour and then bird flu broke out oh yes so North Korea decided to shut the border. Yeah. So I couldn't go and I was so gutted. Oh. I, I spent a few days in Beijing waiting for the email to come to say, we've cancelled it, we haven't, we're not, we're not sure. 
And so uh, about a day came after the tour and, and I received this email saying, sorry, but they've shut the border and, and that's it. They're, they're often, they often do this, but it's for the benefit of their own people. And so I was a bit disappointed, but I went to meet the tour guys in, in Beijing. They were the ones who organized the New York Philharmonic tour right. to Pyongyang. In, yes. I think it was in 2000. And it was kind of all over the news at the time because it was quite a big, big deal. As I went to chat to them and they said, well, if you want to come, Next year, we'll give you, give you a cheap deal, give you 50% off, and you can come on a tour next year. So I flew to Beijing the following year and went to Pyongyang. Oh, that is amazing. Um, and that was just uh, another mind-blowing experience. Yes. Um, and just, yeah, just an, another thing, I guess, along the road to becoming interested in languages and, and just learning about other cultures at a ground level. At a ground level, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that you were able to get there yeah, in the end. Yeah, we got there that in the end. That must have been so disappointing. There, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably another feature of ours that we tend to go on holiday to kind of not so conventional places where else have you been <laughs> we, we've we been all to, over we? we went to ukraine a couple of years ago wow. and we went to chernobyl we went to ukraine and then the year after we went to minsk and belarus and 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 it's funny where you choose to travel because now that's those you both those places are not, yes. are not you're not able to go to so. yeah. wow min you said about food yes and I, <laughs> my tummy's rumbling so i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna come back to that <laughs> tell me about min's munch times yeah well it's um it's a blog that i started maybe Mm, four or five years ago now and I basically write about restaurants that are near to venues so if you're a musician and you've got like an hour and then you think oh where can I go that's good and not too expensive maybe and but I can get food fast then there's something there you can look up the venue and then that's a fantastic um, idea I haven't done it so much recently I do it when I'm on tour as well because that's always handy but just the schedule sometimes takes over and I obviously it takes time to kind of plan things do the photos edit everything write the post yeah um so I haven't done it in a while, but I hope to get back to it soon. Really? Well, no, it's something that every musician should have, because that is the first <laughs> question we always ask, isn't it? It's kind of, we have sound check, you, got, you know your venue, you're not really probably going to get to see anything uh, if you've just arrived that morning, your show's in the evening. But the question they always ask, where can I eat? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a really great yeah. thing. And where have you eaten recently that you, you really love? You must love food. You're a bit yes, of a foodie. Yeah. yeah. We've been on tour to Spain and Germany recently and um, we had some great meals in Madrid, especially because the Spain tour was three days or three or four days, yeah. two days in Madrid. So when the time is short, everyone's just like, right, we're booking this restaurant, we're booking this restaurant, <laughs> are you coming? Are we, you know, how many of us? We're we all going to go to this place. Like everyone's kind of like has their favourite spots that they must get to yes. on these days. So that was great. So actually we didn't have to look up anything because other people had booked amazing restaurants and we just turned up and ate all this amazing like steaks oh. and artichokes are in season oh, yes. so we have really nice artichokes mm. well um Black yeah sausage. like yeah the oh, morthia yeah. Mm. yeah that was quite an intelligent tour <laughs> <laughs> sounds it was, like it was, it was yeah it was great it was great <laughs> and so then when you're not on tour do you cook much the both of you do you sort of still foodies even when you're not on tour yeah 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 more, like, more simply yeah we eat more simply but I definitely enjoy thinking about what I'm going to eat and kind of actual, actually cooking is quite yeah. relaxing for me. Definitely always thinking about food. It's usually thinking about the next meal during the one that we're currently eating. You're eating. <laughs> Someone, I think it was Martin Herman said the other day, he asked me if I had any food and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I've got some chocolate. And then he was like, oh, yeah, if you're hungry, then Min's always got something in her bag that you can eat. Like Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. Mary Poppins, yeah. Well, food is something we speak about a lot on LPL stage because I've heard about the infamous banana 
before a performance oh, but then some yeah. people said no it's not a banana it's a sandwich oh, okay. and so it's something that I'm now taking to asking the musicians not quick fire <laughs> banana or sandwich before a performance or is it something else um you know I'm not too fast <laughs> as long as I'm not hungry that is the main consideration I don't really mind what so much yeah, as long as I'm not distracted by being hungry I guess Um, I think the problem can be when you're too full, though. (laughs) Yes. Because then your body just concentrates everything on (laughs) digestion (laughs) and not enough on music. Yeah. Um, So I I would go for banana over sandwich, I think, because it's just lighter. Banana over sandwich. That's Mm. good. It's the consensus so far. Uh, (laughs) What else do you do outside of music? So we've got travel, we've got languages, we've got men's munch times. What do you do to sort of wind down and have together time? Well, sometimes we play um, Assassin's Creed. Do play video games. Oh, yeah, yeah, now we're talking. It's all coming out now. What's your console of choice? Oh, uh, my really old computer. But half the time we we end up having to reboot the thing because it just takes so... (laughs) Yeah, it took about half an hour the other day. I think I need to invest in something a bit more... Modern. Any, any uh, birthdays, anniversaries coming up that we can uh, tap into? We might need to save up. Well, see, we're exactly a month apart on our birthday, so somewhere in the middle, maybe we'll uh, we'll yeah. cough up the cash. Yeah. So you're gamers as well. I'm liking this. Good, good, good. <laughs> now, if you weren't doing this, and I'm very aware that it brought you together, mm-hmm. what would you be doing if it wasn't playing the violin and viola? Well, I always really wanted to be a pilot but I guess that kind of ties in with travel but I, I always wanted to be a pilot I used to be really interested in inner workings I was the kid who was staring at the sky and saying look mum noisy thing <laughs> in, in the sky um, and if I hadn't fallen into music I probably would have gone in that direction I know it's a very difficult career I have a few friends one viola player actually he's now flying for Ryanair wow um, yeah another one also went off to be a pilot as well um, is there a correlation between violas and pilots yeah there, there might, study there that might, might, there might be <laughs> well I mean viola's not usually in control so I don't really yeah, for I'm not sure how, how that would work but <laughs> brilliant pilot I like it but that's, that's where I would have gone yeah, yeah. Min, what about you? I probably would have done something with languages, but I also really enjoy, like I said, I enjoy gardening and stuff, so maybe something to do with being outdoors, studying plants or something. I can see myself doing that too. Very good. <laughs> Flower pot min. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flower pot min. There's, yeah. there's another blog waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new feature here on LPR stage, for, especially for Series 6 and beyond, Listener emails. So many people are listening in and absolutely love hearing the conversations and the insight into what it is to be a musician. So the question that's come through for you both is what is the best and worst thing about being a musician? Min. The best thing for me, I think, is the kind of infinite numbers of interpretations. There's no right or wrong way necessarily to do something Mm. it's the creativity of it and being able to work with other people that's probably more than one thing sorry (laughs) but um that was good but just when everyone's kind of working together in this creative way and everyone's passionate about it just that energy is so I don't want to say infectious a better word than that but it's there's something amazing about that feeling it's not something that is tangible. <laughs> I would agree. I would say for me, it's more sort of raw, almost like a kind of primitive thing. 
when you really feel like the orchestra and the conductor and the audience gel in the moment and it's a piece that everybody really cares about really loves then i think you really you you get this sort of weird adrenaline that makes you realize that this is why i did this yeah it's something that's like more than yourself yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that is exactly it. And yeah. being part of the orchestra is that, um, knowing that you are part of something else bigger. Mm. So, what yeah. keeps you coming back for more? Yeah. yeah. So, what's the worst thing? I probably should have started with the worst and ended with the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, the worst thing, I suppose for me, it's sometimes it can be very draining mentally and physically, especially if you're on the go all the time. Mm. You have to be able to know where your limits are and know when you need to take rest and all that sort of thing. Mm. So that's probably just knowing your limits, I suppose. Very good. You become acutely aware of that in tours as well because, mm. you know, you can be doing a concert every day where in, yeah. L- in London you wouldn't be doing that. So mm. you have to know when to just go and be on your own and, you know. And as a couple, do you have to understand that as well? Because you're together a lot of the time. Mm. You know, you come into work together, you leave together mostly. Mm. So yeah. How do you know when to give each other space? Is that something um, you have to speak about? Well, we have our kind of time, like when Martin does his Japanese study and I'm maybe watching TV or something, we like definitely value that time as well. Maybe it also helps that we're in different sections too. Mm, yeah, I, I, always, I always say that even if we were in the same section, it would be fine. Yeah, it probably would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you like each other's company. I, like <laughs> I like to think that anyway. Um, but I don't think we really mind Mm. Um, and is there something actually quite advantageous about being with someone your partner lives and breathes your work as well so they understand what you're going through they understand that hardship of oh i'm Mm. reaching my limit here i need a moment they've lived it themselves exactly exactly sympathetic yeah good this is probably slightly on a tangent i love a tangent but during lockdown because you know when none of us are working we can't work from home but we would kind of get some old quartet music out and play together or do like we did sight reading practice together (laughs) just so we wouldn't like you know got to keep those sight reading things going we programmed in two lines of the quartet into midi and played them back and played over it so you could play with them (laughs) oh you guys are too cute That's quite sad, isn't it, really? But, no, but, but we enjoyed it. Well, it's how you met. It's, it's back to the foundation. We had know? a lot of time during lockdown. So. <laughs> I love that. Getting back to basics is brilliant. Yeah. Well, a very quick fire question to end mm. then. What are you listening to? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts, radio? What is it that you're listening to right now in your earbuds? Music and podcasts. I say podcasts, I listen to loads of Japanese language podcasts. But when I go home if it's music if we played something in orchestra that I really loved then I will listen to that and I found myself recently listening to and you reminded me of this earlier Tan Dun but a passion because that was one of the best best projects I've ever done that was that primitive vibe uh, that I got from that and uh, I really hope we can play everything we can because it was great (laughs) yeah Yeah. that was good what do you listen to Min? it's the same with my breakfast actually I get really obsessed with something for a couple of weeks and then I need something else and I have to change it <laughs> um, so yeah there was a time when I was obsessed with I mean I still love them Danish Quartet's Woodworks album and that was just on a loop mm. all the time and then this Tan Dun stuff yeah what else have we listened to I actually quite like just listening to BBC Radio 3 because I quite like not knowing what's going to come next and it might be something new that I'm like oh yeah that sounds awesome I want to listen to that more and Mm. so yeah I quite like the radio as well and so then as classical musicians do you predominantly listen to classical music or do you find yourself listening to other things as well um 
think. I suppose a lot of the time we do, but we love listening to other stuff too. I mean, I love 90s pop, of course. Nice. But, um, 80s well, as well. Yeah, I mean, 90s, 80s. We're both, we're both 90s people, but yeah, the 80s music for me is actually better, yeah. so I, I end up listening to quite a lot of that. And yeah. whilst, oh, Mongolian throat singing, what, what are those bands you were talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, Ever since Buddha Passion, we've just been reminded of it because there was a whole section of Mongolian throat singing. I can't remember the we name. We can't remember any of the band's names. Yeah. So no, no, that, no, that's um, all good. But it's very relaxing, isn't it? There's something that it's takes you out of yourself. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so different to what we do. So it's just really nice to hear. It has been such a joy to speak to you both. Uh, congratulations on your amazing journey and where it goes next. Uh, I'm really excited to hear. So Thanks very much. It's Thank an honour to speak to you. Oh, you you too. too. Thanks very much. Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Min Majo and Martin Ray for such a beautiful insight into their lives as an orchestral couple, but also musicians here in the LPO. And uh, I am going to listen to some Mongolian throat singing now. And if you'd like to send in your own question to us, please email the question to offstage at lpo.org.uk. No question is too big or too small. Keep in touch on social media, Twitter and Instagram. And thank you so much for listening. Do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage. I'll see you then. <laughs>